1: Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting
2: changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new, season two.
0: 2020 was definitely a hard year for all of us, and I wanted to speak to someone that specializes in grief. Her story, The Grief Doc, is so powerful, and she's super knowledgeable, so I know y'all will enjoy this one. Also, I'm doing a giveaway on her book, so the first person who emailed me with grief in the subject line will receive a free copy. Email address is hello at thephdpodcast.com. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode, and happy holidays, everyone. Until next time, later.
1: You are now listening to the professional homegirl.
0: Hey professional homegirls and niggas, it's your girl Ebene from the PHG Podcast, the only place where you will hear interviews from women anonymously on stories that will enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PHG Podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five-star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. You can connect with me on Instagram, at the Professional Home Girl, at the PHG Podcast, and last but not least, at Eponet Beauty. If you are all caught up with episodes, listen to bonus episodes by supporting the PHG Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PHG Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. I am super excited about this week's guest. She has over 30 years of professional experience within the grief and death care industry. Our guests have five degrees, including a doctorate in religious philosophy and pastoral psychology, as well as certificates of completion and several specialty areas such as suicide prevention, grief, trauma, crisis counseling, and marriage therapy. So to my guests, welcome to the show. And how are you feeling?
1: I am feeling great, Ebenee. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. How has the pandemic been treating you?
1: Well, that's a loaded question. I know. I didn't know if I wanted to ask that question in the beginning. <laughs>
2: <'Cause> I'm like,
1: <laughs> she's coming out of the box in the very beginning. In, in the beginning, it was a little rocky, mm-hmm. had a little anxiety going on. But now I've, I've learned how to apply some tools. So I'm really coasting through because I, I changed my mindset. So it's okay. It re- It's okay. Even though I've had some loved ones to die, it's still okay. hmm Mm -hmm. I feel like
0: because of the pandemic, it made people take grief awareness more seriously. Do you agree?
1: Absolutely, ma'am. That's one of the things that I do appreciate about this time is that it brought grief awareness to the forefront Mm -hmm. uh, because we are experiencing loss uh, in a massive amount. I mean, just uh, people, uh, a plethora, a number of people dying daily. So yes, we're forced to deal with our grief now.
0: Now you are known as the grief doctor.
1: So for mm-hmm. those
0: the listeners that, that doesn't understand exactly what do you do? What is a grief mm-hmm. counselor?
1: A grief counselor, I help grieving and hurting individuals transition from loss to life, pain to purpose, and to kind of recognize that there is life after loss. It's just a different one. That's the angle I approach. But really, again, just helping people go through life transitions. Because the reality of grief is not just about death. It's mm-hmm. really about loss. And that's why we're experiencing it on such a global level is because most people didn't understand that they were experiencing grief uh, when they didn't have anyone to die because that's, that's what they think. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have anyone to die, so I'm not grieving. Yes, you are. Right. Yes, you are.
0: Are there certain mm-hmm. like requirements in order for you to become a grief counselor?
1: There are several roads that you can go. Of course, you can be a counselor, like an LPC and then a licensed professional counselor that you can specialize in, specialize in grief education. Uh, I am a mortician Mm -hmm. and a uh, hospice social worker. And so I went that route. And then I went to get a master's in counseling. Uh, So my love for uh, working in the death care industry started early on, but it took a turn kind of midway towards the grief arena. But if you want to do something, you don't necessarily have to do counseling. You can do what they call grief facilitation. You can uh, facilitate grief support groups and there are lots of resources out there where someone can get certified to like lead a particular group in that particular setting about grief mm.
0: you know what's so funny when i was younger i wanted to be a makeup i wanted to do makeup but i didn't want to be a makeup artist so i wanted to be a mortician did you yeah. <laughs> what happened why couldn't you i don't know i don't i don't even, i don't know because i love scary movies i love the whole like gooey things and certain things don't like make me nervous i don't know why i didn't go down that path but i really thought i was going to be a mortician
1: <laughs> yeah that i that's what i grew up as a little girl wanting to do uh is be a mortician and i just stumbled up into hospice uh because i went to college first mm-hmm. and um and because if i didn't go there i knew i wouldn't go to uh mortu- mortuary school meaning i wanted to get that degree first and then go to mortuary right. school but um yeah and, and so I majored in social work and they both just complemented each other so well.
0: Now, do you think there are misconceptions about grief?
1: Absolutely, there they that's what my book is mainly about mm-hmm. is uh, people trying to change the mindset and the perspective about grief and hopefully try to embrace it, uh, open their mindset. Many people, again, as I just mentioned, think it's about death and it's not, it's about law. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking that uh, it only happens during certain times um that's a misconception there are many many myths that many people think uh grief has to be experienced several different ways you know physically spiritually emotionally and behaviorally. Mm-hmm. so yes ma'am there are many uh, misconceptions about it
0: can you explain what grief work is because when i that was my first time actually mm-hmm. hearing the term because never heard her book is grief work essential not optional and to support mm-hmm. our doctor please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below but i never heard that t- term so why is it so essential
1: it is. I mean, ta- especially during this time of the pandemic, when you hear the word essential all over the place, mm-hmm. we have essential workers, you know, out in the trenches and they're continuing to work during this particular pandemic. What I have discovered, Greek work is a term that we have to learn uh, in mortuary school uh, or if you study uh, Greek psychology, that is a, a term that we must learn. It's the actual psychological Uh, working through the process of grief. Mm -hmm. And it's really talking about the um, effort, the work that has to be put into the actual grief process. And it takes place mentally, uh, which that's why a lot of people are tired. Many people are experiencing what we call uh, COVID fatigue Mm -hmm. uh, because they are experiencing grief and we're dealing with it with our mindset. So it's really the work of processing through your grief from a psychological standpoint. That's what grief work is defined as now what it looks like it's going to look different for everybody Mm -hmm. uh on the uh, i guess a commonality would be of course uh talking about it going to some type of setting for counseling one-on-one or you can go to a grief support group that's doing your grief work but for somebody else it may be exercising uh journaling is another great way to do it gardening uh whatever that thing is that you need to do to make sure that you uh process wholly and fully through your grief is doing your grief work okay Mm -hmm. that makes makes sense
0: sense. now we're just thinking because another misconception is people think that everybody grieves the same
1: yes yes grief looks different it the the reality is grief really never ends it changes and it softens if people do their grief Mm -hmm. work if they do that it's going to change and it's going to soften uh but but for one person, it may look like anger; it may look like right. fear. Uh, and another person, again, is going to look like uh, even joy, happiness, it, it, sadness. All of those is going to look different for everybody. And what we have to do is give people permission uh, to just express their grief, hopefully in a in a, a healthy way. That that's what I try to do. Let's 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 approach it in a healthy way because we do uh, process it. The question is, is it healthy or unhealthy? And
0: that's going to be my next question. Does one ever get over grief?
1: You don't get over it. You adjust to it. That's so true. So true. You don't, you don't. And when it's a loved one that dies uh, and you love them, your love never died, Mm -hmm. but they died. So that's, your grief is really just a badge of love Mm -hmm. for them. Many people will ask, why does it hurt so bad? It's because you love them. Now, if you think about, there are some people that died, you didn't love, you didn't grieve because there was no connection. Right. There was no connection.
0: Yeah, so you don't get over it. You adjust. I'm still so grieving over my grandmother, and she transitioned like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, okay, not, not, but that's not that's not a long time. Right.
1: First of all, but it, look, I have a question for you. Did you get grief support of some
0: kind? Um, eventually, I had to go to therapy because that was my first time experience somebody Good. that close to me. Because I looked at her as my mother. Mm-hmm. That um that transi- right. transition. So I never experienced death before. And I was having a mm-hmm. mental breakdown because I couldn't understand. Good yeah, grief. I couldn't understand how somebody uh-huh. can no longer be here.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. right. You're exactly good for you. Good Thank for you. you. You went and got something. Yeah, I had to. Yeah. Good for you. Um,
0: how important is it to know the language of grief while healing?
1: Oh, it is so important because you can. Um, because the subject is so sensitive, mm-hmm. uh, we can easily offend people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not even knowing it, uh, what and, and say, saying platitudes and cliches like uh, they're in a better place mm. um, uh, or, or God knew what he was doing. Those things I try to sh- encourage people to shy away from because it really uh, impacts the people uh, in a negative way. So it's important to understand that language and the basic language that I always like to share, just like you said, understanding what grief work is, but if you can understand the difference between grief and mourning, they are different. They are not mm-hmm. the same. Grief, grief is internal. It's the internal response to any kind of loss. It's the emotion that we feel. And absolutely everybody grieves, whether they know it mm-hmm. or not. That's what's happening in our world today. In uh, grief is just like COVID. COVID has made it from the White House to, to the poor house, to every house just mm-hmm. about all over this world. Grief crosses all cultures and backgrounds. It doesn't matter who we are, rich, poor, black, white, whether we have faith or no faith at all, everybody grieves. Here's the difference. Another uh, uh, terminology you need to know, other terminology you need to know is Mm -hmm. mourning. Mourning is the external expression of that grief. And that's really what grief work allows people to do. It teaches them how to mourn, to get it from the inside to the outside Mm -hmm. so if you can understand those two grief and mourning we experience them both they don't have to happen at the same time however i encourage people to try to do that but a lot of times we don't because we don't know that there's a difference uh between the two so it's important to understand what grief and mourning is uh as just the foundational principles to understand do you
0: think corporate america supports grief and the reason why i ask because three to five days is just not enough time to process the loss of someone or something
1: not at, you're exactly right. Um, a colleague of mine, she, uh, is a grief recovery specialist and, uh, she and I, and, and my mentee, we just did a, uh, be, uh, volunteered, uh, the last three months two two times a month, October, November, December, uh, we did some virtual grief support mm. and she, her background is also, um, HR mm-hmm. and she talked about that subject and that is exactly right. Uh, that is not enough time. And, and we're expected to be back at work. Show face. Uh, performing at right. peak level. Show <laughs> Absolutely. And that is unrealistic because the reality is one of the biggest mistakes that people will make when you're dealing with a loss, especially a mm-hmm. death loss, is that we all try to go back to like mm. it used to be. And you cannot. Your whole life has changed. So you're trying to figure out who you are, finding your, you've heard this before, especially now, you're mm-hmm. new normal. So yes, I think corporate America, we, we need a little bit more, um, um, I think, sensitivity and just uh, just like they have diversity training, I think we need mm-hmm. grief training and sensitivity training uh, to meet the needs of your people because if you can meet them where they are, again, they'll be able to perform better for you. But but it's unrealistic to think that people are gonna be at their uh, peak level in from right. three to five days.
0: Um, I feel like a lot of us experienced this type of grief in 2020 and I think a lot of us didn't know the correct term for it. And I learned this within your book. So, can you please explain what mm-hmm. disenfranchised grief means?
1: Yes, that is what Th- that's. Grief I can't wait to use that on somebody. It's not- <laughs> <laughs> it just not right? really good. Oh. <laughs> disenfranchised grief again is grief that is not publicly sanctioned or recognized. Um, for example, to say my mother died, you know, what's the common response? People are going to say, Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. But if I said, uh, Tupac died or someone publicly, they're going to say, how can you grieve that person? you never Mm -hmm. met them before. That's what, because there's a disconnection and there are many, many, I have, uh, it could be if you were divorced, um, and you mourn the death of your ex, um, Kobe Bryant, who died earlier this year you know at the top of the year even before the pandemic came we were all. Oh, I don't even like basketball like yeah that but I was I was just crying hurt behind <laughs> it yes I was hurt behind mm-hmm. that death so I, I I just list in the book several people that were experiencing get disenfranchised grief with what about black man, man? oh I cried. oh my and god <laughs> I was like <laughs> that's absolutely of course we know George Floyd and Breonna Mm -hmm. Taylor and and just a whole list Eddie Van Halen died and and even since then since I wrote the book some other people have died since then so again yeah it's that grief that um it's a loss that we have that's not openly Mm -hmm. acknowledged Uh, another would be as a mortician this was a true story uh a a a man died in the bed with Mm. his mistress my and and my question to people is: Do you think she should, She has a right to greet?
0: It depends on who you ask. Absolutely, right? she does. <laughs> that's,
1: not, that's right. It does. It does. I don't want to be asking the wife, but in reality, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't dare. Ask oh that my life. god! Oh my gosh, I wouldn't. <laughs> but technically, because she was in mm-hmm. relationship with him, she's connected, but she cannot come to that funeral and publicly. You, right, you what that's disenfranchised grief where you have to do it in private. So
0: within our community, we was mm-hmm. always taught that what happens in the house stays in the house. So why is it important? <laughs> and it's a down south <laughs> thing too, because my mom used to tell me that. Yeah. So why is. is it so important for someone yeah. to share what they're going through, as you, or as you would say in your book, to spill the beans? Yes,
1: because again, it's a what I call a a cleansing or an emptying, because unresolved grief, hurt, and pain, whatever that issue is, Ebene, it doesn't go away mysteriously. We must address it. And what I have found in my counseling and coaching practice is that people will come to me before this year, of course, with the grief uh, uh, loss or death or something like that. But I really help people connect. They say, well, I don't need to come to you because I didn't have anyone to die. I said, well, then they start talking. Well, they, they were raped mm-hmm. when they were younger. Well, they did lose, they lost their uh, uh mm-hmm. their identity or they mm-hmm. lost their identity, their innocence. So I help people connect connect the two, but it's important for you to release that because it remains on the inside and it makes us sick, just like grief. If if you allow your grief to stay on the inside, it will make you mm-hmm. physically sick. Think about it. The love that you have for someone and the hurt and the pain that you feel after they die. You don't verbalize that at all. You don't journalize, uh, journal it or anything. Where, uh, where is right. all that emotion going? It's staying on the inside and it's going to your cell, cellular level. And there's research out there again that has connected diseases such as cancer, uh, prostate cancer, of course, high blood pressure. Collect, all of those are connected to unresolved. Disease. Now, after
0: reading your book, because I it was kind of kicking before we started this episode, and I read the book within two hours and yes. just doing more research on you. And I was telling our guest how she has such a powerful story. And I'm just really thankful to have you on the show because I feel like your story is not being told enough. And I know it's going to mm-hmm. help somebody else. So mm-hmm. can you t- please tell us in the beginning yeah. when you first met your former husband? I
1: met him years ago. Uh, we went to church mm-hmm. together. We were friends. And so it it was several years that we were married for nine and we knew each other for several years prior to that. So we met in church and serving under our spiritual father mm-hmm. together years ago.
0: And along with being newly mm-hmm. married, like you, a, a series of events occurred, such as your mentor being murdered, your newborn baby transitioning, and you becoming the first lady of the church that you built with your former husband. So how are you juggling with all of that? Mm hmm why you laugh?
1: (laughs) I look back on that every day (laughs) because again when when you are going through trauma or hurting pain you don't Mm -hmm. recognize um what you're in so now that I'm out and you you probably hear 2020 vision again Mm -hmm. you can see really clearly I don't know how I did that again I I think I had fallen into uh the the um the place of wearing a mask and having Mm. to perform um, and and make other mm-hmm. people feel better because I you know I'm a social worker and 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 again and and my mm-hmm. heart is to serve other people. So I it was tough juggling, but I actually I can't even answer. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I did it
0: <laughs> just by the grace of God. She was, was doing a lot back then. I was like, how is uh, she doing do all this? Makeup. I was just dealing with everything.
1: <laughs> I was, yeah, uh, yeah, to to the best of my ability. Actually, I'm glad that you brought that word mm-hmm. of dealing with it. I really didn't start doing my grief work mm-hmm. until eight years ago with, my, mm-hmm. uh, with the divorce. Now, all the other deaths and losses, I spiritualized them all. Like mm-hmm. you said, in the Black community, I mentioned earlier about grief is experienced uh, several different ways, physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, and behaviorally. And in the African-American community, we have a tendency to spiritualize yeah. absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I spiritualized all of those losses until I got to that divorce, and that was the one that opened my eyes uh, to where I I realized that oh, I haven't dealt with with my other losses mm-hmm. from an emotional standpoint. So I think I was just kind of masking it. That's why I was able to go as far as I did. Uh but as you can see it right both, as you read the book, I mean it it I, I think. Well, one thing I learned about anymore.
0: within your book was um you mentioned red flash collector. And I thought that was so important mm-hmm. because I think that a lot of times <laughs> looking back you see it so clearly but when you in it it's nothing like you just keep it going so like looking Mm -hmm. back in your experience what were some of the red flags that you noticed Mm -hmm. within your marriage uh
1: the Mm -hmm. the mood swings uh the um communication we had um poor communication started out good but then it just kind of deteriorated and i used to equate it to i mentioned in the first book i used to say that um it's like the grand canyon is 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 being built or 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 happening right before our eyes because it's like we're getting further and further and further apart any kind of relationship you got to invest in that you got to pour back into that so it was it was a lot of red flags you know the poor communication uh mm-hmm. just not connecting mm-hmm. lack of intimacy and connection in the marriage so it was a lot going on that i didn't i was naive i was older uh, but I was still naive because my family sheltered me from a lot, so I didn't know. And in the book, you mentioned that you life. was
0: older than him a lot. So do you think that played a part in it, or?
1: <laughs> hmm. I think so. I I do. I do now. Uh, because I I I was older, and uh, well, I am older, but I was born to uh mm, older parents. Okay. My parents are older. To so I've been around older people all of my life. So i i i like that but but he was the first guy that i really dated that was mm-hmm. much younger. he was 11 years and i'm like mm, i really again at that time felt that that's what i was supposed to do by the leading of the lord but but yeah i know that mm-hmm. the age had something
0: to do with. now that. when i got to this part doctor yeah i i was just speechless like yeah so after nine years of marriage when he told you that he no longer have the capacity to be married to you any longer and when I was about to I literally said out loud what you what the next sentence was and you was like what does that even mean
1: (laughs) yeah 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 like what were you thinking those just like you I was dumbfounded um what I was waiting for him to say again, actually, honestly, because at that time, our communication had had deteriorated so badly that we were communicating Mm -hmm. by way of email, living in the same house. And so we were trying to, at least I thought we were trying to reconnect and those kinds of things. And so he reached out, he said, Hey, I need to talk to you um, and and meet me. Uh, Let's have a meeting or something. And I thought, Uh, I don't recall exactly what he said, but I thought it was going to be like a date night, a date night. And so I'm all excited. I said, okay, this is progress. We're we're getting ready to communicate. And when we sat down on on, on the sofa and he shared, you know, I no no longer have the capacity to be married to you any longer. Like, "Mm, I don't know, what does that mean? And then he just, I just let him continue to talk. And then that's when he shared with me. Uh, He didn't explain it then. Again, that was something I had to Mm -hmm. find out and figure out on my own. But that's what he just kept saying.
0: He didn't want to be. And I feel anymore. like, because, like, to me, I feel comfortable speaking to you. And I feel like since you've been through so uh-huh. much, I think that people gravitate towards you because you get it. Because you went through a lot of emotions within this short period of time. I, you because right. once right. the divorce was settled, it was revealed to you that he wanted to be fully present in the LGBTQ community. And I can't even imagine how you felt like that's
1: That that's that's just a lot that was a that's why my first book is called I Got My Marbles Back and so at that moment when he shared he didn't want to be married anymore again I still didn't know fully what was going on even though I had uh, uh, gay guys would come to me uh, immediately after they, the word on the street, known in y'all community, you know, he, he community. Was a pastor, you know pa- yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> it was, it was not good. It was a public divorce. It was a public divorce, and um, I, and then when I was approached, a couple of them, uh, two of them, asked me, mm. "Have you had an AIDS test?" I'm like, "Why are you asking right. me that? What for? What?" why are you? I still I still mm. didn't connect the dots. So it was just a lot emotionally that I did not know how to process it all. So that's mm-hmm. why I became suicidal. Yes. Did uh, yeah, you first I'm lady sir I love God but <laughs> I first per- yeah. yeah. Lady honey was su- she was like I I couldn't process that um again remember because I dealt with everything in life from a spiritual standpoint, I didn't deal with my emotions. Um, social worker. I'm a social worker and, and a funeral director. Imagine that, you know, being a caregiver. A lot of people do that out there. That's why one of the reasons why I'm sharing the story is because mm-hmm. we as leaders and caregivers, we have to deal with our own issues right. so that we can care for other people, so that we can care for them. But yeah, I, I didn't know how to process that. And, and it just sent me to a downward spiral uh, to suicide. And that's how I ended up self-admitting myself
0: uh, uh, uh and 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 how was that experience well you also shared the story about how god spoke to you through grandpa <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that was in the outpatient mm-hmm. uh therapy uh portion but yeah in the hospital i was there for six days and six nights and if i tell you every day that was the best decision mm-hmm. i made for myself because i hadn't i had hit rock bottom right i had lost you know, my family, my church, my, my kid, we had, you know, had adopted a kid and had taken in another young man had lost all of that, my identity. So, Hey, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I just need this pain to stop. And so that's what I felt led to do. The, for me, that experience again was a good one because that's where I got right. um, my healing began. And actually from a spiritual standpoint, that's why I really got reconnected with God. And believe mm. it, I didn't know I was disconnected, I was sitting in church every Sunday, disconnected from God, and didn't know it until I got in a mm. mental health hospital, and that's where God met me. And again, so I know Him. I, I as a child growing up in a, in a Christian home, and my parents again, you know, taught me about God. But as you get older, you you have mm-hmm. to experience Him and know Him for yourself uh, through and and so that experience at the hospital really caused me to know. Uh, that God was with me and he was mm-hmm. it was like I had protection when, when you get the uh, yeah we gonna, the we gonna agree, go part 2 understand
0: it uh I was like oh I gotta get the first book with, you know, <laughs> with the USPS and COVID and stuff I'm like yeah, I gotta get this book because yeah. this book grief work was just amazing especially when you get into your story and you correlate it with oh. the terminology and stuff I was just like man mm-hmm. like because I can't even imagine how like mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a black woman, so I know it is a show face. But to like go through that with somebody who you thought was gonna be forever, and y'all was building so much, like that's that's painful. Yeah, very, very painful.
1: Um, yes, ma'am. And so it's been been eight years, and uh, still doing my grief work, but definitely in a better, better place. Um, I'm, I'm um, after mm-hmm. processing through depression this year um and recognizing you know that came from some um, her, um from my mom and, and the root cause of that so mm-hmm. this pandemic has been pressure but it's been so good for me it's been so good as far now as the pressure has been around for me.
0: centuries and you made a reference on king david from the bible and i was like oh yeah that mm-hmm. was true because he went through a lot so mm-hmm. right so why do you think he went that, through a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, within our community especially religious people have a hard time with speaking about mental health issues in
1: Mm-hmm. Because I think, again, excuse me, it speaks to many people think of um, mm-hmm. it has to do with their faith level. It, it makes them, you know, oh, you don't have enough faith or you're not spiritual enough. You don't have your connection with God. Uh, those it makes you think mm-hmm. uh, or feel that you're less than. So you're exactly around it, it's been around. We just don't talk about it, and what we've been doing and you're, that statement I said all the time, you know what what happens in our house, and I found that it's not just in I thought it was just in the black community, it's not. I have uh, Caucasian clients, Asian clients, and they say, "Oh no, we say that too in our community too. Uh, so what we have are people mm-hmm. been sweeping things under the rug, and now what's happening in the pandemic, that rug has been uh, filled with with dirt. So now it's just oozing out. It's it's coming out to where we can no longer hide it anymore. So it's a stigma that's been associated with that depression to where people don't want to be identified now. Culturally, mm-hmm. uh, I've spoken with some veterans. Uh, there there is a uh, in the military again, and 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 it's so. I it's just I don't understand it for people, men and women, service our service people who put their lives on the line for us. They go to war Mm -hmm. and they see death every day. They see trauma and then, but they're not, uh, it's not widely accepted for them to go see a counselor or a psychiatrist. It goes against I'm like, what kind of sense does that make? So they're forced to hold it in. And we wonder why our veterans, again, Mm -hmm. some of our veterans are not mentally stable. It's because they didn't want to go get the help. Uh, because of what was going to happen to them so it's a stigma that has been attached to certain communities such as the military such as the african-american community such as the hispanic community and we've got to uh, remove that by doing what we're doing and normalizing doing
0: right now we're mm-hmm. talking about it getting it spilling the <laughs> i was gonna make a joke i was right. gonna be like yeah because i know that's adam it. had anxiety when he saw uh, eat eat that apple <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's when everything yeah. went down feel.
1: that's right <laughs> it went down from there so being that you
0: You're are right. a faith-based
1: woman exactly. did you ever question god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah. matter of fact i got mad now gr- i grew up baptist and i was taught you just don't don't question god you can't be angry with him and i first mm-hmm. experienced that anger when our baby died Like I said, I waited late in life to get married, thinking I'm, you know, trying to do it the quote unquote right way, uh, as best I could. Not perfect, but as best I could. And uh, then we got pregnant and then she died and I was really angry with God. Uh, I was saying things like, hey, there are women out there having babies. They don't even want to have babies, Mm -hmm. putting babies in trash cans. And then my baby died. Um, And at that time, that was back in 2004, uh, there was not much grief support or resources Mm -hmm. out there like it is today. Uh, But I did, I had to go outside of the church again, because even in the church, a lot of churches, especially your larger churches Mm -hmm. have embraced mental health and they have counselors on staff and they are helping their members uh, process that. So I went and got help um outside of the church and 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 I got permission to express my anger and I started going through the bible I said oh there's a lot of scripture in here that supports mm-hmm. you know grief death dying and all of that and I found that scripture mm. says be angry but sin not so anger is nothing more than an emotion we we again have just uh made it to be a negative thing it's an emotion and it must be expressed so I worked through that the divorce I was angry, angry about that how it went down. Uh, I was angry at my my uh, former husband. I was angry at some of the members, and I had to express that. Yeah, I probably felt betrayed of the church and vowed. Yeah, I, I did. I said I'll never go back. I'll never get in another pulpit. <laughs> and that's, my that's what I'm saying. Come on, but because. I gave myself permission. I stayed after the divorce. I wasn't connected to a local mm. body for 12 years. I mean, for 12 months. And uh, and so that for me, that because again, being a church girl and oh, I always go to church quote unquote, that was the problem. I was going to church and had really not mm-hmm. allowed church to become a part of who I was. So yes, ma'am, I was very angry and, and I had to process through that. And now I love him. My relationship with God mm-hmm. is closer than I have ever been. Uh, Because I gave myself permission to express that anger. Another quote that I love from your
0: book is when you said, some of the Mm -hmm. struggles I encounter in life are not mine to carry. Why is it important to search for the root causes Mm -hmm. while doing grief work?
1: Again, that that was um, something that I learned the significance of this year. Although I had been teaching about it, uh, here and there as a social worker, but it just, did, the pandemic, I'm telling you, uh, the pandemic is putting external pressure mm-hmm. on what was already resident in our lives. That's why mm-hmm. it's been a year of exposure. That's a fact. So when we look at individuals and we see, yes, it's a year of exposure all across the board. So for me, the depression was, I got my marbles back. You know, I wrote the book, that was five years ago, but I still had this cloud glooming, Uh, just hanging over my head and I could not figure out what it was and it wasn't until I did some reading during the pandemic and then met with my I had a family meeting was scared to ask my sisters about that but I knew because our parents Mm -hmm. are deceased they're the historians and so as a result of finding out that information so it's necessary because from a spiritual standpoint and from a natural standpoint, spiritually again, there's scripture that speaks of ancient doors being open. So if you see a a family that has alcoholism that that's prevalent, you know, from generation to generation, that means there's a root. Mm-hmm. Somebody uh, generations past uh, with an alcoholic, mm. and it just just passed on down. So it's important to know your genealogy. know your, it's hard. Y'all I know some about people you are adopted. Some people parents dot. Yeah, if you can, I know there are situations to where you can't find out that information, uh, but as best you can, if you have uh, a pathway to Mm -hmm. research your roots, definitely do that. So you can understand some of the things that you're going through is not even yours to carry. Like my Mm -hmm. depression wasn't even mine. It was my mother Mm. and it was transferred to me. It was transferred to me through uh, 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 the pregnancy. I I grew up timid and all of that is because she was timid and and nervous. And I found out again, because Mm -hmm. of life issues that happened to her and they didn't deal with Mm -hmm. it back then. Um,
0: Trauma bonding is one of the main reasons Mm -hmm. why people stay in unhealthy relationships. Why is that?
1: It's because again, we don't recognize Mm -hmm. that it's the bond of trauma that's keeping us. And because, um, it's because mm-hmm. we hold on to a promise, uh, when and you lose your, your identity, like, again, I had lost who I was. I, di- I really didn't know because I was trying to be all things to my husband and all things to the church and uh, the first lady. So we were connected. And again, I just uh, understood that this year, during my research and study that it was the trauma Uh, because again we never talked about it but his behavior again further uh, demonstrates that there was some trauma something happened to him for us not to be connected something happened to me for Mm -hmm. us not to be connected as a couple and so when when you go through trauma uh, people who go through uh, domestic violence have you ever uh, heard of a person i know i have even as a social worker where a, a person stays why? in uh, a an right. relationship and people will say mm-hmm. oh, why it's because of trauma bonding okay it's because of that connection that they have uh mentally and emotionally uh deception mm-hmm. and manipulation is a part of that as well because again the person who who doesn't have the capacity to leave. Mm uh they being uh, Another one
0: of my favorite quotes from your book. Stay. I have yeah. like, so many quotes from your book. <laughs> well you said um, you said that a clear rejection <laughs> is better than a fake promise. So how can someone handle rejection in a healthy way?
1: Oh, yeah. Rejection is something I suffered with that and didn't know it, especially from the from the marriage again. But what I learned, Ebene, is that the the divorce, again, was a catalyst for me to do healing, go deeper Mm -hmm. in my healing that I didn't know I needed to regarding depression. So when he left, that's why I lost my marbles and I became suicidal and depressed is because depression Mm -hmm. was already present. So I didn't recognize about, uh, rejection being a part of my life. I felt, you know, so abandoned. I'm like, he rejected me. He didn't want me. So it's very important to, uh, acknowledge it and process it. Like my friend, I, I mentioned a friend of mine told me, she said, he is not going to apologize. I didn't know a lot of us are waiting for mm-hmm. the offender to apologize. No, we cannot wait for that. There are many reasons why. Again, sometimes they may never, ever apologize. Um, Number two, uh, sometimes they may not even be around to do that. I know many people who have died uh, and did not apologize to the people they have offended or hurt or molested or raped or whatever. And it leaves that person in a victimized role. Uh, But they can process through it. It depends upon Mm -hmm. how you look at rejection. So I encourage people just to embrace it. Acknowledge the fact right. because it happens every day, little by little. Again, as a kid, especially, you're not picked to be on the team. It goes from being a kid all the way up uh, to being an adult mm-hmm. in the nursing home. I see it all the time. When I used to work in the nursing homes, you know, certain uh, adults would not be, believe it or not, mm-hmm. to play bingo with certain people. It happens all the time. So if we can just embrace that rejection uh, and know that it's not something that is uh, against us personally. But it's a part of life. And Did he ever apologize? I'm just
0: curious. Help.
1: Wow. No, man.
0: So how important was forgiveness in your process no. of
1: healing? Mm-hmm. It was necessary to heal. It was necessary. You, can, you cannot heal if you mm-hmm. harbor uh, unforgiveness. You cannot. Uh, so it's something for us to um, acknowledge it, you know, and uh, work through that and give yourself permission uh, to do that uh, because some people just say you just get over it you you don't how, how do you get over someone who brutally right raped you molested you whatever they did you know so it's not something that we could do in and of ourselves because you could just like we say I'm gonna go mm-hmm. I, I go on a diet every week every Monday because I, I don't know what <laughs> I like about Mondays I'm gonna start I'm gonna start on a mm-hmm. diet and then I fall off the wagon That's what people say. I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to forgive her. And then something happens. They get angry because forgiveness. It starts in the mind, but it has to work through Mm -hmm. again, our soul and our spirit. So our soul again is our emotional makeup of who we are. And when we've been wounded by life, whatever it is, a death, divorce, uh, molestation, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it makes it hard Uh, to forgive and that's why counseling helps you work through that and helps you help you talk about it Mm -hmm. so that you can move to a place for of forgiveness
0: Mm -hmm.
1: especially if you're a person of well
0: I'm super excited about this episode Mm -hmm. so before we leave do you mind leaving some encouraging words Mm -hmm. for our listeners as we enter into 2021
1: oh wow Uh, yes again take care of you take care of you hopefully this year again uh, to those of you who experienced loss um again we are so Ebony and I again we extend our apologies um for the tough time that you're experiencing our condolences for loss and things like that but I encourage you if you can just Mm -hmm. change your mindset uh, toward life and I found that has helped me so much again and just um have you heard Mm -hmm. the cliche that says don't sweat the small stuff yeah, don't sweat those small. Don't sweat the small stuff. If I've learned anything in this particular year is that life again is just like a vapor. You want to take it one day at a time. And mm. I encourage people just to be open minded, and just to take care of you. If you can open your mind to new ways, because the life that we knew prior to 2020 and everybody, swears 2020 was the year. <laughs> so we're living a. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It, it really mm-hmm. was the year, Ebony. It really was. It, it was, it mm-hmm. was a, uh, Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. Best of um, times, yeah. It, it was the worst of times mm-hmm. and the best of times all in one, yeah. So that's what 2020 was. So my encouragement to 20 for 2021, again, is you can make the difference. You wanna see change in your life. It starts with your mind. Do your grief work so that you can heal. And again, you will have the best year. Not saying that you won't have any hurt and pain, but you will have a great year. And it all starts mm. in your mind. If you're well, open, I just want to say thank you so much, much for training.
0: coming on the show because I know you are on vacation. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yes. yes. So please make sure you yes, support ma'am. our doctor by purchasing <laughs> her book in the link below. Thank you so much to my guests. I'm pretty sure this will not be the last time we speak. And until next time, everyone,
2: later. It's brand new season two.